king. Matthew 13. I'm going to read that entire chapter. So if you don't have a Bible of your own, our ushers do have Bibles available. Just raise your hand and it'll bring a Bible to you that you can use during our service this morning. Let's all stand then in respect to the reading of God's holy word. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil, and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, to hear what you hear did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what, it, what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, in another sixty and in another 30. 
He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his fields. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in his branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds and the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes, all causes of sin and lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous 
and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. And when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there and coming into and coming to his own, or excuse me, coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. May God give us understanding in this portion of scripture that we read this morning. You may, we may be wondering how it is relevant to a Christmas service. And I hope to show that as we speak God's word today. May your hearts your minds be open to receiving God's word today. Let's bow in a moment of prayer. Father, we thank you for this day that we're gathered here today to celebrate the king that you have brought into earth and his kingdom. There's many things that are puzzling and that we don't understand, but your word explains and makes clear, and we thank you for that. We pray that you give us understanding as we hear your word. And I pray, Lord, as those who hear your word might truly receive it, understand it, and turn to you. We pray that that response will be made by those who hear your word today here. So we thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. a couple things before we get started with the preaching of God's Word today. First of all, we are thrilled to have Dwayne here with us, sitting in the back. Praise the Lord for you, brother. Not a day went by that we weren't praying for you, and we see God's prayers are being answered, are being answered because he's still working, and he's still healing, and we just thank God for his work in, in your life and praying for you in Savannah that God will complete that recovery. I want to say thank you for all of you who prayed and offered assistance in whatever way. I'm going to be asking some of our men uh, in, in, uh, for travel help where he needs to get back and forth to doctor's appointments. So if you can do that, you can see me and I'll just kind of put you on a list. And when we have a need, we'll call and, and uh, just... Make it happen. We'll be our own Uber, right? Without a charge. <laughs> All right. A um, couple other things I want to mention. Um, 
There's a special uh, Christmas service coming up by one of our Grace Partner Churches, uh, Gospel Fellowship of Sussex, has a Christmas Eve service on Monday uh, night. Monday, I think it's 4 to 5, is it? 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock Christmas Eve service. So if, uh, if you know, if, if you really believe in Christ and you're not sitting up waiting for um, Rudolph to fly by, you can, you can actually worship the real reason, worship Christ and understand the real reason for Christmas. So you can share with them. and They're, they're such a, a blessing to us. So we want to announce that service if you're interested in that. Also, uh, coming up in the new year, 2019, we have some exciting things happening. One of them is our 25th anniversary service for Sweet Communion. 25 years. It'll be 25 years. On March 17th, we have a special service that's being planned. We have a special speaker who's already uh, agreed to be with us, and so we're looking forward to some special activities. Why am I mentioning this to you now? Because several who are in the planning process will be talking with you, especially about gathering pictures and memories of the ministry in those 25 years. So if you have those things, start collecting them now, and uh, we'll be putting those together. Um, for our special service on March 17th. So praise God for that. <clears throat> All right, let's take a look at the preaching of God's Word. Our text for today is Matthew 13. It's a long text. Um, and you can see how it is. They're all connected. And the title we embrace today for this series, we, we call the whole series The King and His Kingdom, and today we'll be uh, going under the title, The King Teaches About His Kingdom. The King Teaches About His Kingdom. If you turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, we see as Jesus is introduced to mankind, as we're told who he is. Several names come up. In Matthew 1.21, the angel says this to Joseph. <laughs> she, speaking of Mary, will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from, from their sin. The name Jesus means Savior. It's the Hebrew is equivalent to the Hebrew Named Joshua means Jehovah God saves. I've got one, brother. Thank you. <laughs> so I apologize now that um, I've been going through some issues with colds and sore throats and so forth. So I have a scratchy throat this morning. You'll have to bear with me on that. Jesus is the name given. He will save his people from their sin. Verse 23 of the same chapter, another name is introduced. He, they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. In Matthew 2, verse 2, another term or title for him is given to us. It says, who is he or where is he who has been born king of the Jews? King of the Jews. In Matthew 2, verse 6, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of of Judah, for from you shall come, here it is, a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. He's called a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And so we've noted the, the, 
the names given to Jesus, given the names and titles that tell us something about his purpose and who he is. In Matthew 4, verse 17, this is what Jesus said as he began his earthly ministry. Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven. So the king announces his kingdom, and the announcement comes with a command to repent. That's kind of odd, because a king who announces his kingdom usually comes in and it's great celebration, but he causes for people not to celebrate, but to humble themselves, to turn to God, to turn from their sin and acknowledge the king for who he is and to surrender their lives to him. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So now we come to Matthew 13. Why Matthew 13 today, you might ask, is because it gives us several parables about the kingdom. So we want to see what does this king teach about his kingdom. In those 58 verses of Matthew, Matthew 13, we see several. We're going to look at four today, but I think there's seven total parables in that entire chapter. And all of them speak in some aspect of what this king's kingdom is like. And so God wants us to understand what this kingdom is like so that we can appreciate who this king is and what we have to look forward to in his kingdom. <coughs> four parables that we're going to look at. The first is the four soils, four types of soil, verses 1 through 9 and 19 through 23. The second is the weeds, the weeds, the wheat and the weeds. Verses 24 through 30 and 36 through 43. The other two are very short ones, but significant. The third is the mustard seed in verse 31 and 32. The mustard seed. And the fourth that we'll look at today is the leaven. Verse 33, the leaven. And so we'll look at the four types of soil, the wheat and the weeds, the mustard seed, and the leaven. And we're going to ask this question what does this say to us about the kingdom of the king? What does God want us to realize and to understand about this kingdom? First of all, all the parables in this chapter have something in common in, in, in that the subject of each of those parables, what they are focused on, is the kingdom. The kingdom. Now, just so that you don't just kind of phase out and think, well, when he speaks about kingdom, he's talking about something that's way in the future, so I ain't got to worry about that. I don't have to pay attention today because that's going to be in forever, ever land, and, and, and it has no impact on today. That's not true. The kingdom has already started. Remember, Jesus started his preaching. He said, repent now, for the kingdom, what, is at hand. 
It's starting. It has already started. He's saying, so I'm going to teach you about aspects of the kingdom that is already begun and yet is not fully revealed in the way that it's going to look ultimately. It's already started, but it's not yet fully revealed how it's going to be in its completed form. So we need to take note today that the kingdom already started. In fact, if you don't get ready for the kingdom now, you won't be in it. You won't be in it. <coughs> so the common theme of all seven parables is the kingdom. What is it? What is it like? Those questions are given to us. How do we know that it's about the kingdom? Let's look at a few things. We're looking at Matthew 13. First of all, in verse 11, he says, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. He uses this term, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. He uses this to explain why he speaks in parables here, because he's given the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. So he tells us that's the top, that's, that's where these parables are, 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 are going to, that's what it's going to show, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. In verse 9, excuse me, verse 19 when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, again, he's using that phrase kingdom, the word of the kingdom. What is the word of the kingdom? It's the gospel. It is what Jesus preaches about the kingdom. So today we're hearing the word of the kingdom. The parables speak the word of the kingdom, the gospel, the truth, the good news about this kingdom that Jesus has brought forth. Now notice these phrases. In each one of these parables, he says something that shows us that the kingdom is what he has in mind when he's given these parables. Verse 24. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to. He said, what you're about to see is something like the kingdom of heaven. So that's, that's a key phrase that tells us that he's speaking to us something about this kingdom and explaining what it's going to be like. And that's the whole gist of these parables. Again, that phrase, look at verse 31. He says it this way. The kingdom of heaven is like... The kingdom of heaven is like, and then he's going to explain what it's like. He used that phrase several times. In each of those parables, something like that is listed. Look at verse 33. The kingdom of heaven is like, in verse 31, he says the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed. In 33, he says the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. In verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field. Verse 45, the kingdom of heaven is like merchant in search of fine pearls. In verse 45, that's verse 45, verse 47, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown into the sea. Again, the subject of each of these parables is the kingdom of heaven. So let's get into the parables. What is the teaching of the parables? He first starts off of 
the four types of soil. And we've read that. I like his parables because they're very simple. Uh, they give a, uh, a, 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 they use a common theme in life to explain what Christ's kingdom is going to be like. In this case, he talked about four types of soil, and he explains what happens to each type of soil as seed is scattered along that soil. So we see the four soils, and we see that none of them bring forth fruit or allow the seed to grow and bring forth fruit except one. And he calls that the good soil. He explains he doesn't just leave it there. He explains what this parable means. In verse 19 through 23, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation and persecution arise on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the word and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, another sixty, and another thirty. So he gives us these four types of soil. <coughs> soil that's thrown on the wayside, birds come and they eat it, it doesn't get into the ground. Soil that's sown on rocky soil. Uh, uh, seed that is, 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 is sown on rocky soil, seed that is sown um, uh, um, among thorns, and then the seed that is sown among the good soil, the good ground. In this parable, he's teaching that true kingdom people produce fruit. There's nothing wrong with the seed in each one of these types of soil, but it doesn't produce fruit in every soil. It produces fruit. It grows and develops and brings forth fruit in the good soil. Jesus is teaching that true kingdom people True believers will show it in their lives in the fruit that they produce. Now, he says there's different degrees of fruit. There's 100-fold, there's 60, there's 30-fold. But all of them produce fruit. That's the key teaching. It's very simple teaching. It's very straightforward. It's easy to understand, we would say. But he's talking about the nature of of the people that will be established in this kingdom. They take in the seed and they produce fruit. He makes it clear, what is the seed? It's the word of the kingdom. It is the gospel. They hear the gospel and it shows its effect in their lives. 
Jesus is making clear. He's also making clear something else. A lot of people hear the gospel. And some even start off well. So they sprout up quickly. But then it says they wither away. And some would say, well, weren't they true believers? Not in Jesus' parable. Only those that remain, continue, and bring forth fruit show themselves to be true believers. That's the teaching of this parable. Let's go on to the next parable and see what it teaches. That's the parable of the weeds and the wheat. It's a very simple parable. He says a, a landowner hires his servants and he gives them good seed and they plant seed in this pile of land. <coughs> and after planting it, he watches it grow and he sees stuff growing up and then he says, wait a minute. It starts to grow and it, it all looks like wheat, the good stuff. But then as it grows and continues to grow, they notice a difference. This isn't the real wheat. These are weeds. We all understand that type of parable. I've been trying to grow grass in my house for the longest and get rid of my weeds. And you do different things and do different treatments. You know, you want that thick green grass, like the golf course. But after a while, you look and you go, oh, my goodness. I got some good grass over here, but I got weeds that are popping through. Now, in this parable, the, 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 the workers go back to the owners and, man, didn't you give us good seed? They understand that sometimes, you know, people who put the seed together, they, 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 they kind of they want to, you know, uh, skimp on it, and they mix other stuff in that seed. And it's not all good seed, but this owner said, no, I had good seed. I paid good money for that seed. Nothing wrong with the seed. And then it said, well, how did this happen? How did it happen that we sowed good seed, and all of a sudden now we see strange weeds with the good seed? And the owner immediately says, enemy has planted those weeds. You would think, man, who would go and plant weeds when you got good ground, you took care of it? Who would go and plant weeds in my good grass? In my house, I know who it is. It's the neighbor with all them dandelions, right? Them dandelions just kind of blow over to my side, you know, and they take their root, and you know, <coughs> that's what happens. That's what happens. The owner says, an enemy has planted this. See, he, Jesus is dealing with some aspect of this kingdom, and he's answering this question, why do we have weeds when we got good seed? And we should just have good wheat. The answer to that or the solution to that really enlightens up, enlightens us. First of all, he says, it's the enemy who's planted these weeds. And then the solution. So the, the workers say, well, what you want us to do? Hey, just tell us. We'll go out and, 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 and we will take out, we'll pull out the weeds one by one. You know, I tried that on my grass too. I got this special thing is it's a dandelion puller and you put it over the dandelion and you step on it and you and it pulls out the whole root you know it works it works 
You know the problem with that? Once I pull out that whole root, it's like a big old clump of dirt in the middle of my lawn because this dandelion has dominated and taken so much of the, of the land that now I got, you know, I got some good grass over here, lumps of nothing and good grass and lumps of nothing. And then the next day, guess what? I go back out, you know, early in the morning when the sun comes out, the dandelions, they, they spruce up. I thought, I thought I took all, all of them. No, oh, there's some more. So I go and I stump and I take all those out. I get buckets full. And I think I got them all, right? The next day, sun comes up, more dandelions. They just happen to sprout out. They're sprouting out at different times. They were there. Some of them were there all along, and some of them just keep on getting planted and growing. And so I've got this nonstop thing of digging them out, pulling them out. And by the time I pulled all of them, you know, I, I gave up. I'm like, you know what? I should just tear this whole lawn apart and plant new sod. And so that's what the parable is about. What should we do about it? How do we get good grass? Church leaders are struggling with this. What do we do to our church? Do we put a sign that says, you know, only true believers? can be members, but we get a gospel that anybody wants to hear, but you come and, and you, you receive the gospel, then you, you, you need to be true. Jesus says this. Here, here's what's going to happen. He says, don't go out and tear out the dandelions now because that never ends. He said, instead, let them both grow up. He says, at the end of the season, in the harvest, the reapers will come when the good plant is fully grown and healthy. He will pluck out all the weeds, burn them, and he'll take the good plant and he'll harvest it. Then he explains to us what that parable means. He explains each detail of it. Who has planted the good seed? Who has planted the bad seed? Who the enemy is? He says the enemy is Satan. And he says, what happens at the end of the, of the harvest is the end of the age. The reapers are the angels, and they're going to pluck up the weeds, and they're going to throw them into the fire and let them burn, and they are going to take the good plant and take it in. He says, this is this describes some aspect of the kingdom. What is he saying? In this kingdom, there is a mix of wheat and weeds. And in some cases, it's hard to tell what's what. At some cases and in some certain phases. See, when it first starts to, to grow, it's hard to determine. And in fact, if if if, if if, if I understand things like in, in my grass, guess what grows the fastest? The weeds seem to grow fast. You go, wow, this is really good grass. Look how fast it's growing. Look how green it looks. Look how strong and healthy it is. Guess what? That's a weed. That's a weed. 
he says there is a mixed group and it won't be separated until the harvest. He tells us something about his kingdom. His kingdom has started already, but we don't see the complete and the true nature of it because it's mixed. And the weeds won't be pulled out until the end of the age. <coughs> the next parable is the mustard seed. It's a very short parable. So I'll read those two verses, 31 and 32. He put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds. But when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make its nest in its branches. He says the kingdom of heaven is very much like a mustard seed. He mentions that the mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds. It's a tiny seed. But then he mentions that when it grows... It's a dominant plant. What is he speaking about the kingdom in this very short parable? He says the kingdom has small and humble beginnings. It doesn't look at its, at its start like it's going to look when it's finished. It has small, humble beginnings. The kingdom is like that. And, and, and that explains several things. In other words, he's saying people are going to be confused and misunderstand the kingdom because they look at it at its inception and they judge it to be insignificant. And they don't understand what it's going to be like when it's fully developed. Jesus Christ was that same way and is that same way today. We know the Bible teaches Jesus to be the lion and the lamb, and people today look at him as the lamb and look right over him. They dismiss him. In this Christmas season, he's presented as a baby child in a manger, and people come by and they say, oh, what a beautiful baby, and that's all they do. They miss the point of the significance of the kingdom because of its humble and small beginnings. So it's not understood by many what this kingdom is all about. One aspect of that is that <coughs> People want to say, well, you know, people will buy into this kingdom if you show them how much they'll, be, they'll benefit from it and how much they'll be blessed by it. And so we want, to, we want to kind of show the power of God and reveal the power of God to people and, and say, look, you know, if you, if you trust God, look, look at these things that are happening in your life. We want to show, you know, God's power to do miracles and God's power to, to prolong and to protect us. And, and so we'd love to say... If you like me, you thought this. Well, Lord, if you would do more miracles, if you let me do some miracles, you know, people would say, wow, look at that. And they would take notice and maybe they would believe. 
And that's a common thought. But the point is, do you realize Jesus did exactly that? And many people looking at him in the face still did not believe. People today say, well, you know, if that happened today, I would believe. I would believe. Jesus is doing a miracle, and I will believe. But the, the point is, look, the, the, the kingdom is intended to start in small and humble ways. And it's going to be very much different when it develops. Kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The only way you're going to accept this is by faith. If God gave a dollar to everyone who believed, and three weeks later that turned into a million dollars, well, who wouldn't believe? That wouldn't be real belief. Food would do that. People buying lottery tickets right now like crazy on the hope that it might happen. That's not faith in God. He says, I want you to believe because I tell you. Whether you see the full development of it yet, I want you to believe because I tell you. And by the way, I got, I've given you much evidence already. I said, let there be, and there was. I put everything in existence. And so when I say, look, I am going to redeem you, I'm going to save you, I'm going to forgive your sin, I'm going to transform you, and I'm going to do that all on the basis of my son going to, cro to the cross and laying down his life, you ought to trust in him. We believe because God said it. And then we begin to see how these humble beginnings are growing into a full tree. He says, but that's the nature of the kingdom. You saw the full mustard seed tree at the beginning. Everybody wanted to come in and be a part of it. But that's not what God intended. He intended, he intended you to trust him and believe him. So he sows something, this nature of the kingdom is its humble beginnings. Many did not receive Jesus. In fact, we see in this chapter, remember at the end of the chapter, Jesus is doing all these things amongst his own hometown, and they were saying, they basically said, to do who you think you are. You grew up just like us. We know your brothers. We know your mama. We know your sisters. We know what house you live in. We know all about you. Who you think you are? You ain't nobody special. And Jesus said, hmm, ain't that something? Only in your hometown people just disrespect you like They can't see what's right in front of you. They can't see what's right in front of them. That's what he said. They didn't recognize him because of his humble beginnings and understand who he was to be. Now, what were they to do with that? You said, well, you know, you see Jesus, he looked like everybody else. Why, why would they believe him? You know why they would believe him? The same thing that was announced at his birth. The angel says, hey. <laughs> when the angels say, behold, when they say, look, when they say, pay attention, this is a being from heaven who stands, and every time he comes and people see him, they, they shriek back because of the presence of an angel. And the angels want to say, 
don't shrink back because of me. I'm nothing. Yeah, I'm big compared to you. But I'm nothing compared to what I'm about to announce to you that the king of the kingdom has come to earth. Look at him. That's what the angels announced. But because of his humble beginnings, people did not believe. Notice how Mary uh, reacted. It says she observed these things and, and she, she, she hid them in her heart. She, what, what it means is she pondered them the significance all of all of this. Of who this child? I love that song, What Child Is This? I love that song, Mary, Did You Know? <coughs> the Holy Spirit had revealed to her who this is, and as she sees this happening right in front of her, even though, humanly speaking, she marvels how this could be, she believes what God had said through the angels to her, who this child is in spite of the humble beginning. So we have one more parable to look at, and that's in verse 33. And that's the parable of the leaven. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. And again, it's a very simple teaching and a very simple parable. And he said, this woman took this leaven. Leaven is, 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 is yeast. And what does yeast use? It is, it is used in baking. It is used in bread to, to allow the bread to, to increase. She took the leaven and she put it in the dough. And the dough rises and it increases. And it says here, she hid it in three measures of flour Till it was all level, till it was all leavened. In other words, you mix it thoroughly and it impacts all of the flour until it's all leavened and it brings a great yield. And they said three, three measures, I think they said, right? Yeah. And uh, my notes say three measures. Once, once it leavened all of that, that was enough bread for 100 people. One lady took a little bit of leaven and made bread for 100 people. What is the point? What is this teaching us about the gospel? First, it's teaching us. I love the song that the kids sing, Inside Out. The gospel works from the inside out. That's how leaven works. You put it in, you mix it in, and it makes an impact from the inside out. The other thing about this leaven, it is powerful and it is active but it is unseen. It's a force that is working inside that's not seen, but you will see the great impact of it. And so this kingdom is coming into place by this force of leaven, this force of yeast that works from the inside out, that mixes, it's powerful, it is active, it is increasing, and yet it, it is often unseen and undetected. It is something, the gospel works in our hearts from the inside and changes and transforms us to where it, it, it expands and, 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 and it, it, it does a great and powerful work. And people are looking at you like, you ain't like you used to be. 
What happened to you? Well, what happened to you happened from the inside out. You know, I go to the gym during the week, and, and folks is, you know, we jogging and walking and pumping iron and doing all these things. We're trying to develop that, that physical body that we have. But we understand this, is no matter how I develop this body, if there's a cancer from within, all that's going to be destroyed. But the same thing is true. If something is happening from within, it will show its impact all throughout my, <laughs> my body. And so this, this, this leaven is the gospel, and it takes root in the heart, and it begins to work in unseen ways, but by the time it works and is finished, it's impossible to go unnoticed. That's what the gospel does. And so he's left us with these four parables. I've had just a short explanation of them this morning. <coughs> this morning. And so that we can see them. But the third question I ask today is, what is the purpose then in the parables? And in verse 10 of this chapter, the, the disciples ask this very question. Why do you speak to them in parables? And we would ask that question too. Why the parables? Now, now we, we know that he explained some of them and he gave us enough to understand what was going on. But here he gives the reasoning, his thinking, why he does what he does. And this is very significant. It is very important. The purpose of the parables is to reveal and to conceal at the same time. To reveal the mysteries of the kingdom and to conceal the mysteries of the kingdom at the same time. The purpose of the parable, is, it, God has a purpose to do both of these in the sa at the same exact time. So he says this in verse 10, or verse 11, he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. He's talking to his disciples. I'm speaking to you, he says, and I want you to understand. But to others, they're not going to understand. And I speak to them in this way because they're not going to understand. <coughs> Verse 12, for to the one who has, more will be given. And he would have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. The purpose of the parables is to reveal and to conceal. In revealing and concealing, he shows something. That only those, those who respond to the parable those who truly understand the parables are the true people of the kingdom. The other ones don't understand the parables. Not to explain something. You, you would say, well, they're smart, aren't they? They understand language, right? That's not the same. That's not the same. 
That's not the same. Let me explain it, explain it this way. I can understand the impact of smoking cigarettes in my life. I could read all about the dangers of it, the health risks involved. But I don't understand that if I keep smoking and don't stop. Unless you say, well, you just don't care. Well, that could be true, too. But the person who knows something and refuses to change because of it can't truly say that they know it. They're what we would call a fool. A foolish person. They say they understand something, but they do not change their ways. Now, the truth is, many of us are foolish in, in various aspects of our life, but we need to call it for what it is. The parables are there to reveal who the true believers are and who's not. Who's not. And in fact, it tells us how to know that. How, do you, how can you tell somebody truly understands the word of the kingdom, the gospel? You say, well, you know, I went to school. I got a degree. I, I graduated. And so I understand what you're saying to me. In fact, Jesus starts off, look at verse 9, the end of verse 9. Did you get that? He who has ears, let him hear. He who has ears, let him hear. It's like him saying, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's what he said, you know what I'm saying? Now people shake their head, they nod their head, and, and they say, yeah, yeah, I know. Really? You know what I'm saying? No, you don't know what I'm saying. Jesus said, you know what I'm saying? Let me tell you this story. So here's the story. You know what I'm saying? How can you know? How can you tell if you understand it or not? Let me tell you. It's written right here in this passage. Verse 13, it says, This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. Why is it? First of all, look <coughs> at their condition. Their condition is they do not see, they do not hear, they do not understand. That's their condition. We understand that. How about their inability? He explains their inability. They are incapable of hearing, seeing, and understanding. Why? Verse 15. For this people's heart has become dull. Wow. 
That's an interesting statement. Their heart has become dull. Heart has to do with their reasoning and understanding has become dull. Dull is like a knife that no matter how much force you put on it, it still does not cut. I can't cut my steak with a fork. I need a sharp knife to cut it. It says their heart has become dull. But not only that, he says, and with their ears they can barely hear. The ears they can barely hear. So their inability to see and to hear and understand is based on something else. And the key is right here in verse 15. Their eyes they have closed. Their inability to see, to hear, to understand is based on a willful rejection. It says their eyes they have shut. I can't see nothing. Dude, you don't want to see nothing. I can't see nothing. What you talking about? You don't want to see nothing. They can't see. They can't hear. They can't understand. Their eyes, they have willfully, this isn't something that happened to them. They have willfully closed. In other words, they have rejected, willfully rejected truth their inability is based on a willful rejection and what happens to those who willfully reject well we see it in this verse let me read verse 15 for this people's heart has grown dull with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. <coughs> In this verse, he describes a process. What happens to those who willfully reject? They do not see. They do not hear. They do not understand. Here it is. They do not turn. Read it again. Lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and turn, and I will heal them. It may help you to understand the other side of this. What happens to those who are true believers? They see, they hear, they understand, and they turn. How do you know if you understand the gospel? You see, you hear, you understand. But how do you know you understand? Because you turn. Because you turn. That word turn, we, we use, in the biblical sense, we use the word repent. To turn from sin and to turn to God. When you really understand the dynamic negative impact of something like smoking is you turn. You turn. 
when you really understand the dynamic negative impact of sin and its consequences, you turn. You go, I got no power to deal with this, but I understand now God does. I turn to him. I run from sin. I run to the Savior. I run to God. I turn to him. That's how you can tell those who understand the gospel. Those they see, they hear, they understand. How do you know? Because they turn from their sin. A lot of people say they understand the gospel. Yeah, I've gone to church when I was little. I know all that stuff. But if you know all that stuff and still live in the same life, you don't understand. You're on your way to hell for eternity. You don't understand. But the gospel pleads with you and begs you to turn. And he says when he turns, what happens? I'll heal them. I heal them. And the next word of verse 16 is very instructive when he says, but. But blessed. He's given us a contrast, isn't he? Of those who aren't true believers. They don't see. They don't hear. They don't understand, they don't turn, and because of that, they're not healed, and they are cursed. Can I say that again? They are cursed. They don't hear, they don't see, they don't understand, they don't turn, they are healed, they are cursed. The healed means to be forgiven and transformed by Jesus. He says, but blessed. The contrast. Those who are believers are not like that. He says in verse 16, but blessed, but blessed are your eyes, for they see and your ears, for they hear. He says this is a condition of believers. They see now and they hear. Another way of saying that is they are seeing and they are hearing. Not that we understand everything. We still come to church so we can understand the significance of this, but we see. And we are hearing, and we are understanding, and we are turning, and we are being healed. We are being forgiven. We are being transformed. That's the work that God does. And because of that, we are blessed, not cursed. He says, they turn, and I heal them. <clears throat> so the opposite of that is they don't turn, and I don't heal them. They aren't forgiven. They aren't transformed. They are cursed. So he describes what it means to be a true believer through these parables. What the kingdom of heaven is like. Notice when Jesus started. Remember Matthew 4, 17, when he started his earthly ministry. He said he started with this, preaching this, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's saying it's starting right now. It's available to you now. Get on board right now. Have you turned? Have you turned from your sin 
if you have turned, it means you are also turning because it's a continuous action. <clears throat> have you turned from sin and turned to God? Have you seen, heard, understood, and believed? Have you been healed? Have you been forgiven by God and transformed? Have you been saved? The king teaches about his kingdom and how we must enter into this kingdom, what this kingdom is like. It's a kingdom that is working by its power from the inside out through the gospel to transform our lives. It is a kingdom that starts with humble beginnings, but its in view is an amazing, huge picture. People don't come to church now because it's just not the end thing to do. It's, you know, it ain't it. That's all right. That's how the gospel is. It has small, insignificant beginnings. You know, you can get much more talent outside of church. You can get much more gifts and abilities from those outside of church, and they can display and they can, they can, they can woo people by all that they do. Much greater speakers than me, much greater uh, musicians than, than us, much greater singers than us, all of that. What is his purpose? God gives us these humble beginnings. But one day, I'm going to have a trumpet in heaven blowing like crazy. One day, I'm going to be singing and praising and jumping and dancing and stuff that I can't begin to do right now. One day, I'm going to be understanding and, and being able to, to, to mentally dissect and to speak back out the praises of God in an amazing way that I can't do right now. Then he, be, he reveals how the kingdom is mixed right now. And many people don't understand. They think that they're wheat and they're actually weeds. And he shows the type of soil that produces that good, from the good seed produces fruit. He wants us to examine ourselves. And are we a part of this kingdom? But it's not just an examination. This is, this is the grace of God. This is what I love about it. It's an invitation. <laughs> an invitation that if you flunk the exam, that's all right. We all did. He's saying, come. Come. I'll open your eyes. I'll open your ears. I'll give you understanding. And I will bring you to turn from that sin. Come. Come. To me. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the king. We thank you for the nature and how he teaches us about the nature of his kingdom. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to, with eyes open, to see more about your kingdom, more about those who are part of the kingdom marvel at what you're doing and Lord we want to be a part of that I pray Lord if there's anyone here today that desperately wants to be a part of that kingdom is not sure right now but wants to make sure that you would allow them to speak during our time as we close is just speak with us come to me come to other godly people that will help them help show them 
how point them to trust in Christ as their Lord and Savior. We pray this now in Jesus' name.